here we are once again in the house of the Lord. Oh, I can I just, you know, you think about things like Ukraine and what's going on there, and uh, they're, they're, they're not able to easily settle into a church service this morning, are they? Um, we need to keep folks like that in prayer and the whole situation in prayer. God's will will be done. But boy, we're living in some pretty tumultuous times, aren't we? I mean, think about just the last few years, okay? Um, the pandemic, all the fears, all the conflicting information that's gone with it. Uh, we had rioting in major cities across the nation, uh, a demonstration at the Capitol that went bad, uh, supply chain issues that we're still facing, inflation, uh, staffing shortages, especially in the healthcare field, and now the war in Europe and potential who knows what with cyber attacks. We've been, I mean, this has been a crazy couple of years, hasn't it? A lot of, I don't know what to do. And of course, you know, you turn on the TV and unfortunately media, they thrive on crisis. Everything's a crisis. So they, they make every, every, every day we're inundated with crisis, 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 crisis. So here we are in the middle of it all, trying to live every day of our lives as uncertainty has loomed like a black cloud over everything. It's emotionally draining, isn't it? We're all tired. We're all tired. I, as a pastor, my colleagues, uh, those that, uh, that I've had conversations with and stuff, trying to lead our flocks through it all. People who sometimes are passionately on different sides of issues, right? Trying to keep folks safe, trying to keep everybody encouraged, trying to keep everybody walking together in unity and in harmony, and not just to survive, right? We, we, we don't have a message of survival. We don't have a message of just getting by. We have a message of victory in Jesus, right? So, so we're, we're trying to encourage not only to, to get a hold of the Lord and, and, and get through all this, but to do it in a way that we're shining our light to the rest of the world, that we're okay, that we're all set, right? And the reason for that is Jesus Christ, let me introduce you to him. That's, that's what we're trying to do, right, in the face of it all. How do we do it? How do we do that in the face of all of these uncertainties that we don't know what's going on and what's going to happen in the future. You and I have to reach beyond the uncertainties of this world to that which, or should I say, to who is the only certain thing. Amen? He is, he is the, the end and, and the beginning. He is the ancient of days. He alone is totally certain secure, and in him alone we can find hope. Hope's a powerful thing, isn't it? Hope is a powerful thing. I remember when our first-born uh, daughter, Bethany, who's now, we got grandkids and, and uh, all of that, um, but when she was still an infant, we put her to bed one, one chilly winter night, and uh, next thing we knew, a little while later, she started coughing. And then it got worse. And then she started barking like a seal. Okay, I mean, it was it was just... 
And, and when she would inhale, you could tell she was laboring to inhale. She would squeak. And I mean, this is our first baby. You know, we, we're, we're, what do we do? We call the doctor. The doctor says, yeah, you need to take her to the emergency room. So we're, we're just, uh, she's, uh, uh, you know, trying to, and cough, 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 cough. And so we get, to, we get to the emergency room. She's some better by the time we get in there. And the emergency doctor examines her, and, and he sits down with us, and he says, well, she's got croup. How, how many knew that was coming? Okay. <laughs> she's got croup. And he said, to tell you the truth, um, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, she's about a 3. And he had this big smile on his face, and it was like, you know, I just want, I just melted in a puddle. I, you know, but, but to see the smile, to hear the words, to hear that she's going to be okay, she's going to be fine, you know, that hope just changed everything, didn't it? Because hope is a powerful thing. Whether it's a pandemic or a war or financial worries or a health diagnosis, relationship problems, so many things that you and I face in life with no easy answers. The difference between throwing in the towel and being able to find peace and strength and confidence is hope. And my friends, with Jesus, there's always hope. That's the title of my message this morning. With Jesus, there's always hope. Let's look at the word of truth, John 16. Go ahead and turn there this morning. John chapter 16. Again, we're, we're, we're here. Jesus is um, talking to his disciples. Uh, some, some of his very last words before he's going to be arrested. And every, you know, the Passion Week comes down. And... Uh, so he's, he's, you know, as you would. Here, here's some last-minute instructions, right? Here's what you need to know before things, uh, before things happen. So he's, he's here um, not long before his arrest. He's telling his disciples, he's saying, guys, listen, there's some rough times ahead. I, I, I need you to know that. There is rough times coming. Um, but then he gives them and us reasons to hope. Look at it, beginning verse 16. He says, a little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while, you will not see me. A little while again, you will see me. And because I am going to the Father, they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We don't know what he's talking about. Okay, You can just kind of hear, uh, John here is picking up bits and pieces of conversation. What's he saying? I don't know. What do you think? You know, and writing it all down here. Jesus told them that they were going to face persecution. And now several times he's told them he's not going to be there. Okay. He's not going to be there as he had been in the past. He, when, when he was with them, when he's, you know, they, they didn't have to worry about anything, did they? And here was Jesus standing there, and Jesus can walk on water, and Jesus can raise the dead. And, and uh, how many times did they try to arrest him before, and Jesus just kind of passed through, you know, we don't have to worry about it, but he's going to be gone. Okay? I'm not going to be around like that. So. You got, you got, and you got to understand, 
that, uh, as we talked about before, the common Jewish um, idea of the Messiah is he's going to come in, he's going to overthrow Rome, he's going to squash all of our enemies and establish his kingdom in Israel forever and ever and ever. That's what they thought. So they don't get this. I'm going away. That doesn't fit the grid. It doesn't make sense. It's confusing to them. He can't go. He's supposed to set up the kingdom. He's the Messiah, right? So they're, they're, they're all kind of confused, as you and I would be. Verse 19, Jesus knew that they wanted to, what, that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you're asking yourselves, what I mean by saying a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? See, in, in, in some sense, it's hard for us, for you and I today, okay? Um, because we know exactly what he's talking about, don't we? Hindsight's 2020. We know he's going to die on the cross. We know he's going to rise again. We get it, right? But think of where they were at, right? So he goes on to, to explain, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. Again, not something that they're really going to get until later when they see things, later when they begin to understand and see things not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual one. When they understand that Satan, the God, small g, of this world, and the system he has created to keep mankind independent from God, right, blinded by pride and greed and lust and money and power. That system doesn't want Jesus to come in and upset the apple cart, right? Satan's happy dragging as many people to hell with him as he can, right? So the world, that system certainly is going to rejoice at the death of Jesus. Finally, he's gone, right? But obviously for the disciples, those that loved him, weeping and lamenting. You will be sorrowful, verse 20, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, he'll, he'll give an example here. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Here's our first reason for hope this morning. You will see me again. You will see me again. If they heard nothing else, right? Here he is giving them, so this is not going to, this is going to happen. It's going to be rough. I'm not going to be, but I'm going to see you again, right? If they heard nothing else, they heard that. And, and like me at the, at the emergency room, it's like, okay, we don't get it, but he's coming back, right? We, so we get that part. Um, but, but tell me if this isn't true as a Christian. You're going along, and life's pretty good, and the Lord is with you, right? And then suddenly you find yourself in a situation where the bottom drops out, and you're like, where'd you go? Lord, where are you? Why, how did this situation happen? Why did you allow this? Where are you? Right? You lost sight of him. At least I have, right, in those situations. What's happening? I, I, I think I've told you before, uh, prior to coming here, I had candidated at another church uh, over, over a period of a number of months, actually. Everything was going great, already beginning to, to bond with the people there, and suddenly 
the denomination stepped in, and they and I came to an impasse theologically. Okay? They, they wanted me to cross some, some T's and dot some I's uh, that I was not willing to do because I don't think Scripture uh, does that. Uh, for example, exactly how does the sovereignty of God and the free will of man come together in salvation? I don't know. God knows. You know, my, my, my thought on that is, hey, let's just preach the gospel and trust God to save people. That's the important thing, right? Um, but my extended, actually, that's the highlight, but my extended answer to that and the scriptures that I brought into that um, did not align with their view, and so it was over. It was done. And, and after this, you know, number of months process, it's like, God, this, what, what are you doing? I thought you were in this. I, you know, I thought this was your will and it was coming together. And where are you? Right? I was crushed. And then he brought me here. Right? And those same answers that I gave were well received by the folks here and by the American Baptists. Right? So I saw the Lord again. And my weeping, my sorrow, turned to joy. And that's his word to all of us, isn't it? You will see me again. As Romans 8.28 confirms, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We may not see him at the one moment, in the midst of it. How can this anything good come out? But we will see him again. That's his promise. He's working it for good. How many have experienced that? You're in the situation, just bad, 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 bad. And then afterwards you look back and go, okay, there, there he was. He's there. Amen? Jesus goes on, verse 23. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. And I do not say that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. We talked about this before, what it is to ask in the name of Jesus. It's not expressing our desires and then tacking his name on the end of a prayer, right? No, as John uh, says in his epistle, 1 John 5, 14, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. We talked about uh, an, an ambassador to another country, right? What, what do they do? They do the will of their home country under the authority and in the name of their home country, right? So when we are um, asking according to what God has leading us, then we're in line with his will, then we're going to have. So you can't just take you know, this and go, whatever you ask, let's go, go get Cadillacs. You know, um, that's what happens when you abuse. You don't look at the whole 
picture, the whole counsel of Scripture. I love that term. I think one pastor, the whole counsel of the Word of God. Not just this verse. Okay. Uh, but I love verse 26 and, and, and 7. He says, And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. There's the second reason for hope this morning. The Father himself loves you. How can you have hope in the midst of uncertainty? How can you have hope when the bottom drops out? Because the Father himself loves you. Understand that this morning. So you might think, Jesus is kind of saying, you know, you, you might think that you've had all these blessings and everything because I'm here with you, physically present, and that the Father is treating you good for my sake, right? He says, no, but you've got to understand this before I go, that the Father himself loves you, personally loves you. And he will be with you, and he is with you and for you, right? Why? Because you love and believe in me. So if you love and believe in Jesus this morning, the Father himself loves you. That doesn't change. Amen? First time I tried to water ski at six or seven years old, um, I was scared. I was really scared because uh, I wasn't really a, a strong swimmer, and there I am out in the middle of you know everything. And as uh, a matter of fact, the first time I fell, I didn't think enough to uh, let go of the rope. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, swallowed half the river that day. But I knew, as as you know. I'm sitting there in the water, tips of the skis up, and I'm and I said the magic words, hit it, you know. I knew that no matter what happened, I was going to be okay. You know why? Because my dad was in that boat. My dad was in that boat, and my dad loved me. Okay? There it is. Didn't matter what else was going on. Didn't matter how deep the water was. Didn't matter that I couldn't swim. My dad was in that boat, and my dad loved me. And I knew that he would get to me, he would straighten it out, he would figure it out, and he would keep me safe from harm. So, know this, that the Father himself loves you. Verse 28. Jesus said, I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you're speaking plainly and not using figures of speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. I, I, I read that, and it's like, I don't know. I, I think that was somebody's attempt to sound intelligent in all of this. Uh, now, now we believe, and you're not using figures of speech, and we know that you know all things. I, I don't know. I, I still don't think they got it all. I still don't think they were, they were really there. But anyway, you ever done that? Just try to sound intelligent when you don't really know what's going on? I have. So anyway, Jesus answers them, verse 31. He says, do you now believe? He says, behold, the hour is coming. 
Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Speaking, of course, of his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you, have, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Reason three, to have hope in uncertain times. Reason three is this, Jesus has overcome the world. Okay? The world, as we said, is a system that's built on human independence from God, right? With only this life, that's all they have, this life to grab whatever gusto they can, right? That's it. But for us who believe, there's a life coming. There's a life coming, right? With no more tears, no more pain, no more death or sin. An eternity where there's not even a sun or moon. Why? Because the glory of the Lord will be the light thereof. Can you imagine, church, how glorious? An eternity of peace and confidence and joy. Why? Because Jesus overcame the world. Because he died on the cross. For our sins, taking our judgment so that we who were independent from him could be reconciled to God, guided by his love, and welcomed into his glory for all of eternity. Why is there hope? Because no matter what happens in this life that we have, short or long, if we get the whole hundred years or whatever, right? Whatever happens, whatever we've been through, it's going to be a drop in the bucket compared to eternity in the presence of perfect peace and joy and comfort and security. That's why we can hope, no matter what this life throws at us. Amen? So with Jesus, there's always hope. Always hope. Hope that even in our trials, we'll see him again, working for our good. Hope because the Father himself loves you and me. And hope beyond this world corrupted by sin because we've got a new life coming. So, John 14 one to three says this, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, Jesus said, believe also in me. He said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Let me ask you this morning, is that your hope today? Is that your hope? If you've received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it is. If not, the Jesus who died to reconcile you to God said this. He said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open that door of their heart to me, I will come in. Would you pray with me this morning? Oh, God, in this uncertain world, so many uncertainties going on right now. We thank you that we have these reasons to hope. These reasons to find peace. 
security and strength no matter what happens. It's all because of you. All because, Lord, you died for us. Taking that judgment, taking our sin, that we might be forgiven, that we might be reconciled to you, that we might be heirs of all the promises of your word. Thank you, Lord, for your incredible grace to us. Most of us, Lord, have experienced you meeting us in times of trial and difficulty, getting us through, and we know you're going to do it again. Thank you. And if you're here or listening online this morning and you haven't opened that door, you don't have that solid ground for your feet, you don't have that that sure sense of hope deep in your heart that's giving you strength. Again, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. Would you let him in? Just pray this prayer in your heart. Say, Jesus, I want to open that door to you. I want to let you in. I want to know that my sins are forgiven, that that God and me are okay. I'm reconciled to him. And that you've got my back, Lord, in this life and in the one to come. So, Lord, I I, I come as an unworthy sinner for your incredible grace. Jesus, I open my heart to you. Come in to my heart and life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And I thank you for the hope that you bring. It's in your name I pray. Amen.